Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's as reliable as a Joe Miller anecdote. This week on Heart and Hand, back in Europe. Welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, and uh, in a debut more exciting than any that can have been seen at Ibrox on Thursday night, it's Cameron James Bell season bow. Uh, hang on, I've got a stewards inquiry. Why so? I thought you had said to me, we weren't doing H&H any longer, this is now the Hearts Hearts Glorious Hearts Kyle Lafferty podcast. Did I say that to you, or did that something you dreamt? I, I get confused between two. Uh, so let's talk about how down at Tyne Castle he died. Uh, great to see the glorious hearts back in action, etc. Is that you changing changing colours now? Are you uh, maroon? I wait to imagine only an excuse uh, VT when Jonathan Watson's obviously pretending to be uh, Morris Johnson and doing the hearts, the, rain, the, the Celtic to hearts scarf manoeuvre when he's just winding around his neck. Right, is that's you, no, the listen, boy from the Davis, black to the back. Exactly, and you'll be obviously pleased to know we've been celebrating Kyle Lafferty playing his football back in Scotland with a series of orange walks across the course of this last weekend. Fitting tribute for a man who basically uh, epitomises world football at the moment. Uh, this is the bit that I, I only have to say every so often, but the views of certain contributors and the words of certain contributors are not those of heart and hand, i.e. me, and, uh, and it's good that it's good that those anecdotes for me don't involve Ben Liners, rape, etc. I can't wait till Big Bruno Alves puts him into the middle of the enclosure just to see <laughs> the look on your face. And I and hope the I can, catch him. I but, hope I catch him. <laughs> <laughs> you remember last season when that guy ran out with the ball? That'll be you yeah. trying to shove Kyle Lafferty up your jumper. 
but I can all seriousness. Welcome back to Scotland, Kyle. I'm sure you'll be absolutely shite. Hence the reason why we didn't want to sign you. It'll be fantastic the last six weeks of season, same as usual. It will. It'll probably. It'll, it'll be between us, the Hearts and Celtic for the league. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean that's when it becomes a real problem? Yeah, as he comes from as Hearts come from sixth to to second in the last three weeks due due to Kyle getting fifteen. But uh, instead of instead of old Rangers players, let, let's talk about new ones. We saw. Uh, several debuts and returns as well for, for players of long-term injury in the match against Progre Niederkorn. Uh, not, not a team that I had much experience of before Thursday night. Um, Rangers dominated the match. It was typical early season fair, sluggish, getting new players back into the groove. Shape looked different, looked like a 4-2-3-1, although it was fluid. And uh, never really in any danger, but lacking sharpness in the last third, and one one nil by a goal by, uh, of course, the old warhorse Kenny Miller. Yeah, so I mean, you could have put your mon- uh, you, you could have put your your mortgage on it, it being Kenny Miller that would have scored the goal for us. So, irrespective of the new signings, it's still it's still Kenny that comes in and does the business. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's um, it had. Almost all of the feel of a pre-season friendly. Yes, it did. Um, you're right. There's not a lot of sharpness there. I don't think. How do I put this in a nice way? I think those of us being reasonable didn't expect a World Cup winning performance. However, I have seen and read about the fact that people are just so pissed off that we didn't smash them six nil. Yeah. So I'd love to smash everyone six nil, but I expected to do. Do I expect that to happen in June? No, I don't. No, I. Totally agree with you. My coupon was for 2-0 and I thought it would be a game that, that sort of transpired the way it did. That The thing is, people forget, and and it's odd because you think we would have learned this over the last few years in lower divisions, that one thing in world football, most sides are good at, no matter which level they play at, the easiest thing to coach a team to do is to stick a bank of five, a bank of four, and then one guy running about as a chaser. It's the easiest thing to coach a team to do. And obviously a better team will always overcome that. But unless you're a really skillful side, then you can struggle because there's no room, there's no space. Um, You're relying on people showing either really crisp passing or great bits of individual skill. So I thought it would be along those lines. And we should have won by more goals than we did. We missed a few guilt-edged chances in there. Um, For me... You're absolutely correct. It was about getting getting people to get game time into their legs, giving guys their bows at Ibrox so that they got used to it. And there were over forty eight thousand there, a, a record incidentally for this round, uh, another record for our fans. And it, you have to kind of try and take the positives from a match like that rather than going, "Oh, we didn't win six 0 there from Luxembourg." Their pitch it doesn't work like that. But um, the, the the plus points, first of all, uh, as I would say, we handed out several debuts. Uh, Cardoso, Dalcio, Ryan Jack started off the bench, came Morelos and Candias. And there were returns, long-term returns, for Jordan Rossiter and uh, Nico Cranchard. And I want to talk about the first, uh, the, sorry, the last two names there. First, Cammy. Um It's a cliche, but it's true. That sometimes it's like signing a new player. It's like signing too, because I, I don't know about you, but certainly in the back of my mind, when I was thinking this season, neither of them really came into it. And I know that's not the case for everyone, especially with Rossiter, but I had sort of went, no, if we get him, we get him, and, you know, that will be a bonus. I'm not counting on him. So to see him come on and have some nice moments, some really good passing, you can see what's going on there. And to get an hour out of Nico where 
fitness remains. Uh, I can say he's never going to be an athlete at this stage of his career or, in, you know, a, a box-to-box player. But some of his passing was absolutely on the phone. Yes, he, he had time. He was up against a team that gave him time. I do understand that. But where he can be useful, I think, are in matches like that at Ibrox when we're playing against a team that pack out the defence. There's not a lot of space and you need someone who can the old cliche thread the ball through the eye of a needle. So I was quite impressed by the the, the two... The, the one performance and the, the other cameo that we got from those two guys. Uh, so, far be it for me to be a bit of a revisionist. I have been vocal on this pod before about my disappointment in Cranchard's injury before because I do believe it was systemic of the fact that we bought him when he wasn't fit. And he, you would like to believe, should have been fit when he was in the transfer window so that he was, it was, he was attractive for a club to come in and get him. And I think the thing is, though, that that is always going to be, as you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, it's not it's not been an epidemic of his career to date, but in actual fact, as his body gets older, he is not Kenny Miller levels of fit. No. It'd be great if he was, because if he could, he could absolutely run the show. The problem that that gives you is that if, and again, playing in Scotland and against the domestic teams in the league that he's going to face pretty soon, he won't get that time. He will be targeted. And if we know that he can be hurt and we can take him out of the game you know that that will happen Yeah. and I think that the big thing for that is and what we need to focus on him being able to try and do is get him as fit as we can make him because it will um, speed up any injury recovery time and by and large it will get the most out of him I think the thing and, and you've kind of hit the kind of nail on the head with the, with the roster thing I think that it's been good to be able to try and see him come into it he has um, quite a lot of expectation behind him and maybe we and should I, temper that don't you glad. Think maybe we should give the boy room. I, I feel a lot. I, I, yeah, I feel a lot of the. I feel a lot of the the post match discussion has centred around the fact that people haven't said, "Oh, he's a world player," or you know, "Oh, he's been really poor." Actually, we have to a certain extent, and we need to make sure that happens over the course of the season. But we have tempered it to make sure that we're not putting too much uh, responsibility on him. We're, we're we're kind of edging him into it and then taking it from there and giving him that kind of gradual process. Um, because again, he's, he's and let's face it, he has spent a lot of time out yeah. with an injury yeah. for any player or you know at any stage of their career. Um, and so, in actual fact, it's about bleeding him back into that and getting him back into it on a on a regular basis, and and how we can uh, almost empower him to get the most out of him, rather than having this expectation that if he doesn't live up to it, get straight on his back. Yeah, I think um, a guy like that is prone, and Nico might be the same. But when you've been out long term, what you're prone to are the sort of knocks, those you know two week, one week injuries. Just your body getting used to playing football as regularly uh, as it has, because it's been two years really since Jordan Rossiter has been featuring week in week out. So his body will need to adjust that, and that's when you pick up aches and strains. And I think Nico's just that type of guy that it's going to happen with him. So. Careful management of game time until such times where you go, I don't need to hold this guy back. And one of the things that, that or one of the, the factors that made me quite happy the other night, we might not have to maybe rush Jordan Ross back so quickly, was the display of one of the debutants, uh, Ryan Jack. Now, I think Jack is flowing a little bit under the radar because, you know, he's not as exciting a name as certain others. But I felt, and I, I saw signs of it the other night, that he could be an absolutely key player for us. He's never going to be a glamorous player. He doesn't play that way. 
But he's the type of guy you would love to play. I mean, you, you've played at a decent level. He's the type of guy you would love to play with because every time one of our guys got in trouble, um, that Taverni is bad for this, you know, running down a blind alley, he was there just to go in, take a square ball and feed a square ball the other way to someone in space and kept moves going and, and kept recycling the ball. And also, because we had the two sitting holding as opposed to, there wasn't that huge space in front of the defence. And I think that it just made everything a lot calmer. And I think he could be pivotal for us in a very quiet way. So it's it's funny because kind of watching some of his some of his display from Thursday, and I think it, it, you're right. I think he has flown under the radar a bit. I think that you've you've hit the nail on the head where actually he's quite a lot like an old head on young shoulders. Yeah, because he can read situations quite well, but. I think he's one of the players, it's almost kind of similar, if I was to use a comparable I can think of off the top of my head, almost like a like a Roy Keane or a Paul Lynch type player, where it's not about a lot of penetration, it's not about doing you know, the sexy moves running forward or picking out 80 yard passes, actually what it's about is, if I'm, if I'm struggling, as you say, if you're running into a blind alley, or alternatively you're doing a lot of work or you're being closely touched, if you need to get the, the ball to someone just to retain it, to give yourself five seconds to get yourself into a better position or even just to give yourself a quick five-second breather, he will come and support you, but he will know to do it. Mm. So you won't have to shout at him, you won't have to prompt him, you won't have to bring him into it. Actually, he will then start to positionally get into a quite sensible area to come and be that person. And I think that from that as well, another really big asset to his game is being able to read the play when it's coming towards him. Yeah. So good good midfielders, a good um, break-up, uh, play uh, comes from being able to try and understand exactly what's happening across the whole dynamic of the pitch mm-hmm. and I thought I saw a lot of that from him where he was um, very aware of his surroundings and what was going on in his local environment but also outside that kind of peripheral and he looked a lot around being able to try and pick a lot of that up that, that's actually um, that actually comes a lot, you see that a lot through experience Barry Ferguson showed a lot of that um, towards the kind of latter part of his career in Rangers where he actually showed the ability to, to start managing people around him. And actually, Jack did that really well, where he was doing a lot of the legwork, don't get me wrong, I mean, he's, he's energetic and he'll move, but actually saw a lot of that play before it even became a problem. And see, to be honest with you, if you think about some of the goals that we've conceded in the last couple of seasons, actually, we've really needed someone like that to, to stop the ball, to stop the play before it even became a threat. Um, and, I, I, you know, I would absolutely look to be able to try and see a lot more out of that. I, I agree with you, I think... I think potentially Jack could be our best signing in the summer. Yeah, he's the type of guy I think that you'll notice when he's not there. You know, that the, that's the real kind of testament to him. That he, in a game, he'll just get on with it very quietly and doing the unglamorous things. But in a week where he's missing, I think he's a type player that you really see the gaping gap there um, where there should be somebody there. And we did look much more solid. To the other new guys, I think far too early to judge. Um, it was just cameo appearances really for Candias, although he did look dangerous. Morelis, you know, just got on for the last 15, really, just I think to, to get out under the lights. Cardoso had nothing to do, strolled, it looks very assured. Um, but the one I want to talk about is Dalcio, who came in that I saw for some criticism online that I thought was a little unfair. I, I thought he did okay the first half and then tired. And uh, there was some really kind of fairly heavy criticism of him I noticed online, which I think is, is a bit much for someone making their debut at a new club. And we need to remember that this guy, I mean, he is a youngster as well. 
I don't think 70 minutes of his first match is really much time to, to judge a player by. It's not, but then at the same point as well, um, and I hate saying this, but see, at the end of the day, see if he was Scottish, he wouldn't have come in under that criticism. And to a certain extent, some of our foreign players, when they're coming into it, are probably going to have to accept the fact that if it doesn't start for them immediately, hopefully their teammates and their management team will help encourage them that it will come good eventually, etc. as well. I agree with you. I don't... It's difficult to say that because it's kind of the, the, the expectation versus the reality. Expectation is he came in and he looked, he looked, you know, as if he was coming in, he's athletic, he was coming into where he actually uh, knew what he was doing. He, he, you know, he did look like a very promising signing. And just because he didn't have it in his first game at home in June, it's as if almost, well, that's him certainly, you know, getting a, a lot of that, for me anyway, unwanted criticism. So I agree with you, I think, They'll take a few a few games from to bleed in. You don't judge these players, Davy, in a game in June against a team for Luxembourg. You judge Absolutely. these players over the course of a season yeah. where you're away Kilmarnock in January and where you're playing, as you've said already, a couple of games a week. So you've got one on a Wednesday, one on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, you, I would judge these players against Celtic. I wouldn't judge them right now. So in actual fact, when you're talking about how you get them into that, let them come in, let them acclimatise. No one's going to do it straight away. And... I suppose they kind of me being me and the eternal pessimist. See if you absolutely ran the show, I would then turn around and go. Well, I would expect people to turn around and go. I but it's only a pub team for Luxembourg. Yeah. So how how can he possibly win? Well, so in actual fact, give him the time to work through it and see as to how he gets on. And, and as I say, let him get more importantly, let him get time in the British game under his belt. Well, um, absolutely. I did like uh, the look of Candias. Uh, looked dangerous. He's got this great habit of whipping in low crosses, but you with a lot of whipping them and a lot of dipping into really dangerous areas. I think that could prove useful. Uh, again, we need to. We know that we don't have centre forwards that are. We've got Kenny playing too far back, and Martin Wycom doesn't really have a striker's instinct to be in the right place to pick those sort of balls up. So hopefully, as the window goes on, that'll improve. Um, I did like Big Cardoso. Um, I called him cheap toilet paper because he doesn't take shit off anyone. And uh, I think that he'll... <laughs> you can keep that one. That's a, Credit me the first two times, then it's yours. But uh, he he uh, he does look... But again, you know, it's part-timer from Luxembourg. They hardly had an attack. You can't really comment. Which does bring me to another point, Cammy. Um, Scott's not here, so I can't borrow his high horse to get up on. You know, the Scots high horse that he rides about on. Mr. Judgmental. Yes, but I'm going to have to borrow Scots high horse here and, and clamber up upon it. Um, David Bates, and I mentioned this last season, and it's started again already this season, and it's really, really going up my arse sideways. I saw after the game online, various places, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Mark's website, comments along the lines of, He's never a footballer. Why are we playing this guy? He's shite. He's rubbish. Firstly, he played He played fine the other night. He did nothing wrong at all. Right? Secondly, he's done nothing significantly wrong in all his appearances so far. When he was pitched into an absolutely shite team, bereft of confidence and full of chances towards the end of last season. And thirdly, this pish about he's never a footballer, I shite. I, I know, I can tell. 10 games into his senior career. 10. Now, do these fucking bellends think that 
Richard Goff in his first 10 matches in Dundee United everybody was going oh what a this guy's going to be a genius Terry Butcher 10 games at Ipswich it doesn't fucking work like that and maybe there's a reason we haven't brought through many young players over the last 30 years is because we are so quick to do that and go I shite made up my mind Pish, get rid of them. And now what happens is these people, instead of sitting back and encouraging the boy and trying to help him overcome the things that he is weak at, he's not a good um he's not a good passer of the ball and he's at the moment he needs to learn a wee bit how to use his body better because strikers with that bit more experience and nous are being able to manipulate him into to positions that will come with time. They sit there, they make their mind up early, and then they look for evidence to support the theory and it becomes confirmation bias. So when he misplaces a pass, tell you shite. And anything good he does gets ignored. And the boy will be stripped of his confidence, he'll be shouted at and pilloried. We've seen it time after time after time. And I'm fucking sick of it. He's not the finished article, he's nowhere near it. But the time to judge if he can do a turn for us is at the end of next season when he's had a good solid time to bed in, learn be- beside the by playing beside better players because look at the shite he was having to play with last season and then we decide if there's something there is enough about David Bates to say yep we might be able to fashion a really good defender out of this but instead we've got the usual fucking idiots and so-called experts going nah he's pish I know what I'm talking about that's it I've made my mind up nothing he does will change my opinion on him get rid of him and then I think to myself I think to myself I don't think anything but I think to myself Maybe that's why we have such a fucking dismal record of bringing through young players. Uh, it's 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 interesting though because in the comparison you just used there with Richard Goff, Richard Goff couldn't pass the ball five yards. I mean, nope. he struggled even when he was fucking captain in Rangers to to nine or all league titles. Yep. But in actual fact, people don't remember that aspect of his game. People remember him being a leader. People remember him bleeding everywhere uh, for the club and all that. And it's the blood and guts and thunder and you know I mean all the rest of it and stuff. How you expect a kid, and he's a kid, to be able to try and emulate that stuff just purely because he shares the same position of the guy is totally ridiculous. Plus, let's not overlook the evolution of fullbacks that we've had since golf was in his in his heyday anyway. Your problem with that strike more than anything else, and I don't know if Bates is the best example of it, but where I do see it more more uh, prevalent is within Barry Mackay. When people are talking about the fact that Barry Mackay could play, you know, in 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 the Premiership in England, Mackay's got great skills, etc. And then you've got other players that other people sorry turn around and going, well, I don't think Mackay's actually producing. He hides a lot in big games. Sometimes he drifts in and out of games. He's not consistent enough. Blah blah. What have you? And actually, it, it, it's, it can be really a divisive subject. But then you're also at the same point as well where, see if Bates was absolute world class, people would then be turning around and saying, we won't keep him. Yeah, he wouldn't he'll end, up get, he'll end up getting sold and somebody will come in and, and nab him. Cammy, Billy Gilmer, never mind that he wouldn't be... If he'd shown potential to be world class, he, he, he wouldn't be playing for us even now. Yeah, exactly. That's the way and, football goes. And, 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 and if, listen, if you want to go back further in time, John Fleck was the last one yep. where we actually talk about the fact we're all like that. Or oh, if he comes into it and he reaches his potential, or oh, he'll be he'll be a world beater. So you're right. You can't turn around then and say, well, if a guy if a guy comes in, I, I expect centre halves to keep clean sheets. I expect centre centre halves 
to be able to try and block crosses and block shots, protect their area, to marshal at corners and set pieces, all of that stuff. That's what I want a centre-half to do. It doesn't have to, you know, score five or ten goals a season from, uh, you know, from, from meandering up front. I don't want that from him, but I also don't want that for a, a kid who's still learning his trade, who's still becoming acclimatised to it. And yet, I agree, I, listen, I've read the same things you have and I've seen the same things you have. I think it's really disappointing, but I think what bewilders me even more is, given the journey we've been on in the last five years, we're actually then turning around and saying, well, if he's not good enough, he's shaking rid of him. My immediate question to those people is, OK, where are you going to find the money to bring in someone who's good enough for you? Yeah, well, they're not. Because we, we, we can't afford it. No, that, that's, it. I, that's exactly it. It, it, it. it goes back to that people who've grown up in the generation of buy a player, buy a player, buy a player. Yeah, and then what you're then saying is, well, I tell you what we'll do then is, let's um, let's get rid of David Bates and let's do another Philip Senderos experiment because that worked really well. Yeah, and this is where I mean, it just I suppose this is why I was saying beforehand about it's good that we're tempering some of our, our attitude towards guys like Ross and stuff and actually been able to try and make sure that's consistent um, because we all want to be able to try and see Scottish players do well. I think that's a bit of a kind of national pride type idea. We do want to be able to try and see it happen. But we are fucking quick to start throwing players under the bus mm. if, in actual fact, that they don't live up to that kind of form of reputation. Bates came in as a gap filler. No one, no one came in, and no one heard of David Bates coming through the ranks and saying, "When that guy comes in, he will be absolutely. I mean, he'll be a multi-million. It'll be the equivalent of a multi-million pound signing." Bates came in because he was playing in a position where the other players in the squad were a shower of shit yeah. and fucking cowards. So he came in as a gap filler. And actually, from that perspective, I think Bates came in at the right time because we didn't have a lot of expectations against him. Why has that changed in one, one game of, the, of a new season? I think what it is is that he's raw. He's, he's incredibly raw. And we have lost the patience or the ability as a support. Not all of us. Not all of us. I'm, I'm not. But some of us have lost the ability to overlook the, 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 the kind of the rough edges and see what might be there. For me, I think with a youngster, initially certainly, focus on what he can do. And as you say, Bates can win things in the air, he can tackle and he's got decent positional sense, right? That's a basis. That's something that a coach can work on and improve because he has things that are straight off the, the bat, Rob Kiernan doesn't. And <laughs> yeah. not genuinely, he, he has things... No, he does. No, that listen, you, I totally agree with you. And I'm I thinking... Totally to me, it's just common to, I, I don't know, to, to you, to everyone I know, we're kind of sitting back going, God, that he's got to be training every day with Bruno Alves, you know, this world-class, fantastic centre-half who, who knows the game inside out. Every day he's going to be learning stuff from him. That that excites me, I think, yeah. And over time, as he begins to learn good habits and develop that experience that you can only get from playing against uh, you know, top team players and playing against strikers that have been around in the block and, and know all the wee dark arts and stuff, then we'll begin to see if he can do it or not. And if in two years he hasn't improved one iota, then yeah, I think you're right, we can talk about it. But the idea that we can't ever afford to put someone in unless they're the finished article is redundant, if it ever was true, and, and really, really ignores where we are the the whole financial structure of world football, we have to be able to develop young players. And if young players are going to be given less than a dozen matches 
to prove whether they're good players or not and then be discarded, then we might as well shut down our youth system because there's no point having it because we're not going to get anything from it other than some bench warmers. I think I think you've got to you've got to remember though, David, is that we are we are a very fickle lot um, across the Rangers Church. Is that um, you, you've got guys who'll turn in and say to you, well, you know, it's not like the great days when we had Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton and his five year at Rangers was shite for three and a half years of it. He really was. And the thing is, so that don't get wrong, he totally turned up before he left, and then he went away. I mean, he went away and played for Spurs and and actually moulded a decent. Probably what I would imagine is probably quite a lucrative career out of it. But the thing is, though, that you've then got people who almost it's like uh, like they, they get romanticised by the memory. Do yes, you know what I mean? They, absolutely. They, 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 they think about that. Uh, we've pointed out the thing about Richard Goff. I could say the same thing for Davy Weir. See, at the end of the day, Davy Weir got caught out a lot because of his age and people forgave him for it. But the reason why Davy Weir got caught out with it and actually managed to recover it was because half the time he had Quella or Begera playing next to him. Both of whom were two examples, including guys like Whitaker, including guys like McGregor, who he continued to help develop on the park. So in actual fact, Davy Weir's positional sense worked really well with it, but he managed it. He managed the game well as well and developed the players around him. But also because he had help a lot of the time for young guys next to him who could, could do all the work that he had to do. But then at the same point, all recent stuff with the coaching side to it, Davy Weir was revered by a lot of the fans of our club and actual, it wasn't because of playing talent. It wasn't because of the fact he came in and he was an absolute world-beater. He came in with a wealth of experience, which if I could speak of David Bates at that stage in his career in the same way that until very recently we used to hold David Weir, then as far as I'm concerned, that's a massive asset. And, and I would genuinely hope the best for Bates in terms of that. So with that, and listen, he might not make it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that this guy's a fabulous, can't-miss prospect. I don't know. I think there's enough signs to say it's worth persevering with but I don't know but I'm not going to judge him now I'm going to judge him at the end of next season and say right yeah you've you've not done enough uh, I'm sorry good luck with your future endeavours or I'm going to say yeah yeah done well and we'll all know by then but the problem we have is when people make up their mind I think there's an element of society not, not to be too <laughs> see, <laughs> exactly, exactly. no no I get that I think they, 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 just, they though, want to say you... I told you so so they, yeah. and if, you, if you're one of these people who starts out with everything's shite and everybody's shite it's the easiest thing to do with, with a football team because you say ah they're all shite and then if one of them proves you wrong well you're delighted to be proved wrong so you go ha I was proved wrong that's great and if not you get the satisfaction of saying I told you so it's a lot harder to go do you know what I'm going to back him until such times as he gives me a reason not to see it's ironic that you're talking about this because we're not long past the anniversary signing Reno Gattuso Correct, yes. And I, I put up a thing about it on social media and stuff as well because I think I think every Rangers fan who ever saw Renu Gattuso play loved him. Correct. Right, because the guy was just absolute passion. And whenever I watched him, I was like, this guy's Stuart McCall. This guy's a continental Stuart McCall. He's brilliant. I just love the fact that he's everywhere. See, when Gattuso played for us, see at times he was absolute fucking dodge. I mean, he really was. There was time. But the thing is, though, that wasn't anything to do with his lack of talent because now, with the benefit of hindsight, he could turn around and go one of two ways. He was shite at Rangers and developed, or actually he was a bit unnurtured at Rangers. He learned a lot from that experience. Then he went on to have what some would call a moderately successful career with a Champions League win and a World Cup win. That's a reasonable so you'll have, guy. You'll have, two, you'll, two guys, you'll have two guys in the pub now, I can bet you, turn around, and one of them will turn around and say, I said Gattuso was fantastic from the start, I've always said it. And someone else will turn around and say, well, I thought Gattuso was shite to start with. He's proven me wrong, well done. And it's great having that benefit of hindsight. 
But what, why not support the player while he's here? Because you're not expecting the finished article when they're that age. You're expecting it raw. You're expecting it to be underdeveloped. You're expecting it to have to be coached. And as I say, if he was playing at that level, if Bates was playing at that level now, then he'd be attracting all kinds of suitors. So see, at the end of the day, we're actually in a more beneficial position to be able to develop him. And I'd like to believe that we're growing and we're not necessarily back to that selling club ethos yet. But if someone comes in for a, a bid of £10 million for him, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. But you, £10 million players aren't going to instantly come out of your youth system because, like I say, as Billy Gilmer proved, anyone who's got even that potential will get spirited yeah, they're away, they're away before by, by a bigger club. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to take a guy and really do some polishing and, and really unearth some talents to get them up to that level, and that takes time. Now, speaking yeah. of coaching, um, there's been a couple of uh, interesting things happening around Ibrox Way. The first is, I think, um, possibly the best decision Pedro Cascina has made uh, in his time at Ibrox, but he has banned the wearing of green boots. Yes. Well... Uh, uh, listen, I, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I still don't like the fact that the grass is green at Ibrox, nope. but then, obviously... I'm there must a, be a, a way, there it. must be technology now where we can fix that. Well... I always thought Rangers have missed a real market employee here by not bringing out blue t- actual blue-tinted spectacles, which you could wear <laughs> at the game, kind of like a 3D experience, where in actual fact, you just saw the grass as blue, and then you could just carry on with the rest of the game. It would just be phenomenal. Imagine that in your seat. That'd be great. Uh, that, that, um, that's, that, that's genius. I'm genuinely sitting here stunned at how, <laughs> how happy I would be if that happened. Um, listen, do you know what? If he's banned out, great. I don't... Do you know what? See, at the end of the day, it's, if it generates a few stupid headlines and all the rest of it, then grand. Oh, which it has, really, from the straight into the. It speaks a bigger point, though, um, and it ties into the next part of it. He has put up a lot of slogans and inspirational quotes and whatnot up on the wall, which is a, a fairly uh, standard part of modern management. It's something that. Happens in business, but happens obviously with uh, football clubs as well. Mark Warburton had done it. Everybody does it. But one of the things he's done is he changed the uh, the tunnel at Ibrox. When you come out, it says "Welcome to Ibrox." He's changed that to read "We are." So we are the people, which is great. You know, it's a fans' slogan and stuff. And straight away, you had the bangers, uh, the the permit offended, the let's just call it as it is, the bigots, the people who are bigots and are always looking for things to justify their bigotry but I say oh that, that's a bigoted slogan it means this and that but it doesn't actually mean what you say it does I it does who would know better us who use it or you who wants to be offended by something and it's up there with Penny Arcade is sectarian the hokey cokey is sectarian Pepperami not being sold at Ibrox green straws sashes cut into the pitch all that ludicrous nonsense that gets picked out just just shite just tabloid fodder but it comes back with banned green boots, and it's yeah, it's a funny thing, but it does annoy me. I don't own anything green, right? Why? Oh, well, because you're a bigot. Because I don't own anything green. Disliking the colour green is somehow sectarian or bigoted. It means you hate Celtic. Yeah, I do hate Celtic, yes. Uh, well, what makes you a bigot? No, it makes me a football supporter who hates another club. Similarly, I have friends who support Manchester United who hate Liverpool. I have Arsenal fa- uh, family members who hate Tottenham Hotspur. It doesn't mean that they are bigoted. I it does. It means that you hate Catholics. No, it doesn't. It means that I hate Celtic. Uh, you're the one who's drawing that conclusion. 
how is it okay for these people to hate Rangers, but it's not all right for us to hate Celtic? Why is it all right for Aberdeen player uh, fans to get upset that they've got a blue strip? Why is it all right for Celtic, as they did recently when their sponsor put out win this boot, which was red, white and blue, and their fans quite rightly went, why the f*** would we want to win a red, white and blue boot? It's just banter. It only bigots make football tribalism into something bigoted. Bigotry is hating someone because of their creed, colour, religion, whatever, sexuality. Right. Bigotry is not going, I'm a Rangers fan, I don't like Celtic, therefore I don't wear green. That's just stupid football tribalism. And it's part of what makes it a game and makes it a rivalry. Like I say, I've got genuinely I've got Arsenal supporting relatives who would never dream of wearing a white and navy top because they think that's a Spurs top. Similarly, you won't see many Spurs fans kicking about in red and white top. It's just the way football goes. And to try and make something of that, to try and make it into something bigger, you're doing it to hide your own bigotry. And you tend to find that the people who see sectarianism and see bigotry everywhere... It's because they carry it about with them. It's because it's the first thing they see when they get up in the morning and look in the mirror and the last thing they see when they're brushing their teeth at night. And they assume that everyone else feels the same way. We don't. I don't like Celtic. It's because they're my football club's rivals. That's all. So it is, but I think think probably the, the, the slight step that you're missing here is, I mean, don't get wrong, This the, the hatred that comes from that tribal mentality is part of the reason as to why you, me, Van der Acker, uh, Ian Hall, everyone else involved in it loves the fact that we can champion our own successes because it can almost act like a bit of a get it right up you to our opponents but equally because of the fact that we support our club and if your club stands against my club then I hate you as a, as a, as a result of it. You have obviously certain factors of that so for example you will hate Celtic more than you hate Aberdeen, you'll hate Aberdeen more than you'll hate Hearts etc and it goes down the own scale but you've got a little bit of a kind of difference here and, and, and the kind of step that I'm talking about that you're missing is actually you do that. So you as being, uh, you know, a, a sane, well-educated, quite an all right kind of guy. All right, which is probably the highest compliment I'll ever give you. Yeah, I'm, I've, got my, I've got my lap in here, Cammy. <laughs> yeah. I've got my microphone in one hand and my lad in the other. Yeah. The thing is, though, that what you don't do, David, is you don't look to, to the other side of that coin to be offended no. you don't look at it obsessively yes to actually turn around and go I just I hate them so much I want them to hate me back and therefore I need to find something to further fuel that hatred it needs to happen it needs to happen if that's who you are as a person imagine the level of your insecurity because of the fact that you need ammunition on a near daily basis to allow that to happen I hate Celtic because I hate them I'll always hate them I don't care what Celtic do in the future I will always, always, always hate them because, but I will never, ever, ever hate Celtic more than I love Rangers. No. And the thing that you've got with that, and that's where that balance is, is because you're actually turning around to some of these people and you know, and I know, and I think most of our regular listeners will know of people that they work with, people that they associate with, family members, reading it online, that they will know of followers of a certain club who love to hate Rangers more than they love themselves. And that is where it goes beyond that tribal mentality and that kind of hatred and that, no, I won't wear in green because I don't like it. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond people saying, I won't wear in blue because as far as I'm concerned, that represents the fucking 
the, the most disgusting thing in the world. Yeah, I want to be continually offended by that. And if I'm not offended by it, then I'm doing something wrong. The actual fact, no, you're not, mate. Just enjoy what you have as your own success and what you look to bring into it. My fiance would never ever buy me in green, ever. She just wouldn't do it, even if it's a hint of green. I, I threw a, a, an unused toothbrush in the bin because of the fact that I had a hint of green at the top of the head. I was like, I, w- I will not use that. No, I, wait, I wouldn't have a green toothbrush. Either. Exactly. So the thing is, though, that she, so obviously I'm coaching her, training her, as you do with all your relationships. Absolutely. So now, you know, obviously I'm, I'm developing her in that way. So she now knows better. But the problem, <laughs> the problem with that then becomes is, I'm not going to then do it and then fucking write to Colgate because of the fact I'm like, you should never have green <laughs> uh, toothbrushes because of the fact that it represents an army of evil. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just, it goes fucking, I mean, just into the stratosphere of how moronic some of these people can take it. I think that you, you touched there, the fundamental difference. See, when I saw that New Balance Celtic brought out a red, white and blue, or gave to Celtic red, white and blue boot to try and punt for them and Celtic said, you can win this. And people were showing me the tweets and saying look at all the Celtic fans my reaction was they're quite right what was the the marketing team thinking because it's uh, why would you Um, and also another reason is that uh, it helps you with identifying them it does yeah it's a marker um, someone once asked me why I have a 100% ability to spot Celtic fans um, and you have it, and Scott has it, and most of our listeners have it. And it's, I said to him, I don't want to be like a magician giving away the secrets, but certain little things like you're wearing a pair of green and white trainers. Yeah, that would, no one would do that. They're hideously ugly. Green and white trainers yeah. only exist for the fans of sports clubs who wear green and white because no sane individual would ever wear. There's a reason that clothes are made in. Black, white, red, white. Oh, sorry, black, white, red, like, blue, somebody, grey. Somebody who thinks, yeah, somebody who thinks that anti-back wipes are like their relative's toilet paper. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it, you. Just you wouldn't do it. So uh, no, well done, Pedro. Although players should fucking know better in the first place, quite frankly. Yeah, they should, and I think that as I kind of put a, a tweet about it, says I'm perfectly happy for them to do that, but. You know, I would I would start. You know, there's some more staunch things that we should be bringing into play. So, for example, um, Michael Halloran should just be removed. Um, no fishing Fridays, etc. Should even be entertained. Um, all of that kind of thing. I would just make sure that we're absolutely across. Uh, Brogues, another thing as well that has to be. You know, I'm a bit disappointed that we haven't yet brought out Brogues with studs on them so that we can take to the field yeah, on Saturday. There's no it? reason to change them. Yeah, so. Mm. Almost, uh, you know, like the the thing you used to get in a James Bond movie where if you clip the heel, the knife came out. <laughs> yeah, but actually, you could turn up for training and just wear the same shoes that you turned <laughs> up to the stadium and then you just click them and the studs come out. Yeah, I like that. Um, and again, the other one is, is your slogan, we are the people, is sectarian. Okay. <laughs> I love that. But, I love that. But what about your slogan, let the people sing? Oh, that's different. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not. It's exactly yeah. the fucking same. And... I've said before, it's a biblical quote. If you're offended by that, go and tell Queen of the South that they need to change their name because it can't have anything to do with the Bible and your name. Um, moving on then, a couple of things. Players out the door, players in the door. Uh, the ongoing Graham Dorans saga, I suppose, at this stage. It uh, looks as though it might be reaching a conclusion this week. Certainly, um, the players very keen to come. It looks as though finally a bid has been reached, but you know, we'll see how that happens. You're out there in, in the wilds of the East. Any news on the Jamie Walker thing? I think he's probably similar to the Dorans. I mean, he wants to come. I think Hearts 
want to get the right kind of deal. Um, there's a certain element to it where I think that from the Hearts fans that I've spoken to and obviously interact daily with at work and what have you, I think that they're quite comfortable for Rangers to take him. It's not another Scott Allen Hibbs fucking fiasco. But in actual fact, if they think, well, listen, do you know what, if it develops him, it develops him and fair play to him. Actually, for some Hearts fans that I speak to, they're actually quite sensible with it. Um, but I think that Walker's, as I say, keen to come. So I think that if you were to get to the stage of uh, his personal terms and stuff, that would be pretty much a tick box exercise. Um, there's a feel of this, however, that with an old joke and aside, the kind of laugh at his signing and what have you, that Anne Budge is actually trying to get to a stage where she's trying to build up um, a club that isn't a sailing club. We're not here to be a stepping stone up. Actually, they want to make it independently, they want to become. Um, a big club within their own right and they want to be able to capitalise on that and listen, do you know what? Fair play to her, right? She's doing her job and that's what has to happen. When a player wants to leave, you know, usually one thing happens after that result. I mean, that's exactly what goes on with. Um, so I think, as I say, it's just a case of seeing as to how the deal can be positioned and I think Hearts will eventually agree to it. Um, and I think from what I'm hearing and from what people have kind of said, the, the feeling is that Walker's really keen to make it happen. Um, I'm hoping that actually with what we've said about Ryan Jack and, uh, and, and, and the, the, the positive message he's getting at the back of that, Walker would see a future for himself at Rangers. He's not coming in there to warm benches. No, he's no, actually he's, coming in there's a role there. A, there. There is yeah. an opportunity there, no doubt about it. Um, the the, the Dorans thing is becoming a fucking saga. I yes. think you could buy a house easier than you could buy Graham Dorans at the moment. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know how many bids have been accepted that you know have then moved or whatever else is going on so hopefully that piece of business could get tied up pretty quickly as well yeah certainly his wife's been on twitter <laughs> desperately trying to get <laughs> yeah, yeah, him so uh the fair play like if the message wants to go in all right you've got to let him go right because he'll not be able to perform if he's going home we all know that if he's going home yeah. to an angry missus um players out the door andy halliday already away to azerbaijan now i'll be <laughs> honest i didn't see that one coming uh, Azerbaijan phenomenal scouting network. I've got to say, um, he's uh, joining what, the Baku Bears, so so that, I mean that's good. Yeah, he's. Already, I think he's already. He'll, be, he'll just be in that social club all the time. Yeah. What I really enjoy about this, and, and ironic given the Dorans situation, is see when Dorans played for Livingston, we weren't interested in him. Yeah, Azerbaijan have been interested in Andy Halliday. Yes, so. Clearly, the scout network is better than Azerbaijan, and our one struggles to go along the M8. Yeah, w- wouldn't wouldn't surprise me that. And yeah. the, the the other talk is moves for Barry Mackay and James Tavernier uh, with Nottingham Forest mooted as a a likely uh, destination for them. Your thoughts on that? Um, personally, I don't think Mackay will go to Nottingham Forest unless they throw a lot of money at him. Tavernier probably will. Um, I, I would be not too uncomfortable to let the both of them leave I know that there's been a figure of maybe three quarters of a million touted for Mackay which I would like to get to seven figures but you know what if, if that's the case and he wants to go he wants to go we spoke about it in the pod like this time last year he signed that you know renewed deal for a reason for the time period that it was going to be across was because he wants to leave yeah and this was going to be the window that he was going to go at. I've seen people say things like, uh, I'd keep him and just get another year out of him. And I'm like, right, firstly, that it was that kind of attitude that got us into this bother in the first place, right? This, oh, money doesn't matter. You can't allow a million quid to walk out the door and get nothing for it. And the, the counter-argument is, well, I'd rather get another year out of him. It never works. It never works. He wants to leave. 
If he didn't want to leave, he would be staying. There's a new deal on the table. He can sign it. He doesn't. He signed that deal, as you said, with one eye on moving. And now the time has come and he wants to move. So unless he signs a new deal, he has to be sold. And that goes for everyone. Never again can we go, no, we'd rather have another year out of him. Because the Brian Loudrop example looms large. When a player's head has gone, it has gone. Let them go. Get in as much money as you can for them. Move on. Bring in somebody else, a Jamie Walker, with the money and, and move on. That's how football works. We can't allow... 750 grand or a million quid or whatever to just walk out the door after 12 months of disinterested performances from a guy who really doesn't want to be there. So, no, I think that and, and can sign for someone on January the 1st and then be well aware that he shouldn't get injured in the next six months before he goes to his new club. It, it just it's a nice idea, it's a romantic idea, it doesn't work. You sell the player, you get the money, you reinvest, and Tavernier I like, I've said that before, uh, he does have weaknesses, um, I wouldn't be sad to see him go, I wouldn't have been sad if he'd stayed, but again that means that we will have to go back into the market because we don't have a ready-made right-back available, um, so so we will have to, to go back into market. Stephen Naismith, we spoke about Kyle Lafferty at the start, um, for, for longer, long-term listeners will know that when the pod first started there were three pod favourites, mine's was Stephen Naismith, Cammy's clearly was Kyle Lafferty and Scott's with Moedo but that was more to do with some deeply held and disturbing erotic fantasies, which Scott has. Um, Stephen Naismith did an interview this week, clearly a kind of comeback interview to BBC Scotland, where he said he regrets the manner of his departure and calling Rangers a new club, and etc, etc. Surely if the manager wanted him, he'd be here by now. Yep, he would be. And I think that that's probably where... Um, as Rangers fans with memories, we have to allow Pedro the opportunity to look at it independently, free from that baggage, and actually make an actual assessment on whether or not he could improve the squad. Uh, if he can improve the squad and Pedro chooses to make an offer and come back for him, because clearly he's done a bit of a come and get me, I, I honestly do not know what the reaction to that would be. Um, if he scores goals, then you know the fans. He'll win back fans. Um, I, theoretically, so I'm, I'm in a bit of a kind of mixed bag with it. I, I can understand as to why people despise him. I can understand as to why people think that this is a really sneaky move because it's a bit of a shady manoeuvre to turn around and say, "Well, all of a sudden I'm all now filled with apologies when I'm struggling to find a club, and all of a sudden you're back in Europe." Um, but then at the same point as well, I would then be happy to turn around and say to these guys, well, we've signed players who have played for Celtic. Yep. So th- there's there's, uh, there's several factors to it. But I think that if he was to be signed, Pedro would do that irrespective of what's going on before. And he would probably do that based on playing ability. Would I prefer the Stephen Naismith that played for us previously? Yeah, of course I would because he was younger and fitter. But if at the end of the day, if, if, if we're going to support Pedro, we have to support him in that decision process as well because he won't have had any other uh, external influences other than assessing him as a player. Uh, I, I, personally speaking, I don't want him back. Um, if he comes back and you know he scores a goal that wins this league, do you know what? Fantastic. I'd like to be proven wrong, because a trophy will be at the end of it. Uh, but no, I can't see it. And just to remove any potential buys from long-term listeners, I would have said exactly the same thing about Kyle Lafferty as well. 
I don't normally like players coming back for a second spell, as you know. Um, I also don't like the fact that we have this tendency, and it's very easy to understand the psychological roots of it. We always we romanticise, as you mentioned before, we romanticise the past all the time, and then we 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 try to bring back players because it it reminds us of a, a happier, more comfortable time. And there's no club in the world as bad for it. The amount of deadbeats that get linked to us by fans because they played for us before, or they've completely forgotten how they were in the first spell. Um, Vladimir Vice is one that we get a lot where people go, oh, he was so good for us. He really wasn't. He Decent, great debut and then the odd flash. But overall, go back and read the match reports from back then. He, he flattered to deceive an awful lot. Naismith, for me, because you know how I felt about Naismith. And when he left, it was kind of how I, I figured that Darth Vader must have felt when Luke wouldn't turn to the dark side. You know, just, just real disappointment that he wasn't doing what he should have. And I have been on record of, of what I think of him, what I think of his comments, so I'm not going to bring that up again. And all of that stands true, and yet at the back of my mind, Cammy, there's just this wee thing that's saying he is exactly the type of player we need at the moment. And he's not as good as he was five years ago, and there might be issues with it and all the rest of it, but his attitude is exactly the kind of thing we're going to need this season. <sighs> Uh, and it is, and I suppose, uh, and, and listen, you and I will never know this because we'll never have a one and one with him or any kind of quantitative time with him. But for that attitude to be right, it has to be there if he signs and it's maintained. Can he have it now and be all apologetic and come with it? You know, he's, he's can, you know, come hand in hand. If it's going to be the case that he's in, as soon as he gets signed, think well, actually. You know, this is a cakewalk, and you know it won't be too much a problem for me to be able to try and score goals against these guys. Um, that is where I would look to be able to try and judge him, and I would judge him on his attitude as he plays, as we see performances out of him, etc. You have to remember as well, Naismith, when he wanted to be, was a nippy wee bastard. Yeah, and actually, sometimes we've missed a lot of that. We've Absolutely, a lot of that. That, that's what I'm talking about. We need that yeah. kind of that fighter, that that street fighter attitude that he plays with. Yeah, and I think that from from that point, if we could get that out of him and he still has that passion and that that fire, then yeah, you're right. It would be an asset to the team. I would like to see some more of that from our own players. At the moment, it should need the injection of Naismith to be able to try and come into it. But then at the same point, if he's going to help us win games, then it does dial down to is he an asset to the team? And if he's an asset to the team, then sign him and then get him there and then see what goes on. I think that to a certain element of it, given his comments this week and how he wants to be able to try and probably revise a little bit of what he said previously. Do you know what? I, I, I can accept that, right? You're not going to turn around and say to me that footballers, you know, write their own statements. They just decide to rock up to press conferences and, you know, have not had media training, have not had X, Y, and Z. So, of course, he gets advised in terms of what he's talking about and all the rest of it. And do you know what? If he comes around and he says, well, listen, I was misadvised. This is what's happened. He will never be the first footballer whoever says that. Mm. The problem that I've got with this is that if he was to then do that, I would assess him on, on how he how he plays, not what he says, but how he plays and how he comes across and how he actually, you know, I suppose whilst we want that enthusiasm and we want that injection of fire, I would also expect some maturity from him now because at times he was immature. So has that improved his game? Has that improved him as an all-rounder? Where can we see that out of him? And I think that you, you can always tell that the pitch. You can. I couldn't care less what he says off of it. But then at the same point, uh, I think he would win Rangers fans round if he scored goals. 
UEFA have opened up a disciplinary <coughs> case against us for the throwing of paper planes uh, or scrunched up bits of the display. It was a pre-match display on Thursday night and then uh, a very, very limited amount of people in the Broomland threw them onto the pitch. But this happens after it. Now, it's ridiculous that UEFA are doing it because of throwing stuff onto the pitch. It is ludicrous. However, you know the rules and we did know the rules going in. It happens every time there's a display what kind of fucked up mentality goes, I have a piece of paper, I will make a paper aeroplane and throw it onto the pitch and people will turn, what do they expect? People will turn around and go, did you just throw a paper? Did you just make, hey everybody, you made a paper plane? You're fucking hilarious big man. Seriously, what is it with these people? This is why I should be allowed a fucking taser and be able to just walk about and go up to people Judge Dredd style and, and, just and what did he have for? He's a dick, right? And so on. I'm like, oh, he's a dick. He got tased. That should be a law. I'd vote for a party <laughs> that let me do that. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting, and I would stay out of there sure, forever. I think the thing that you've got to remember at that point, though, is that uh, if you were a Man United fan who did that, you if I wouldn't touch you. That's a fair point. And and I think the thing is though that. I don't think for a single minute anyone who threw a bit of paper on the park at Ibrox on Thursday actually thought for a single minute, oh Jesus, this could impose a, FIFA, a UEFA sanction. No one cares. No one cares about it at all. If you want to look at how much uh, we genuinely care about UEFA sanctions in this country, look at that mob across the city. They do not give two fucks. But then at the same point, you're right, it's moronic. But listen, do you know what, David? You're never going to calm these kind of things. People will do these things. You would do with tasers. Yeah, you would do with tasers, but actually you're thinking too low scale. What you need to be able to try and do is when you're um, director of security at Ibrox and your future role kind of coming up, what you need to do is electrified seating. So if you see some wee dick uh, kicking the back of somebody's seat because he's five-year-old and it's his first game and you're like that, I'm not having that wee prick. Row D, one, two, three, four, five. Row D, 17, Portland rear, buzz. And then that's when, obviously, they then get an electric shot through the seat. That's what you need to think about. Think bigger scale, my friend. Cammy, that 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 is genius. I mean, that is you're you're just you're flying today, mate. You're flying. That one is the only issue I can see that that if I did have that power, Scott wouldn't get to sit down. He would be like, he would be just dancing, yeah, the, like, you know, one of the, the, like, the you know, in the, the old Simpsons. west. Yeah, but the old west used to shoot the, at their feet to make them dance. It would be like that. Yeah, it'd be like the Simpsons, the family therapy episodes where they're all just buzzing at yeah, each other and all that thing. Yeah, but obviously you would disconnect yours from the mains. Of course. No, uh, Cameron. Yeah, just, but no, I, I think that's it. So, but you can't contain that type of behaviour to the paper throwers. You know what I mean? It's people who fucking get up every, every two minutes for a piss. Yep. Go away and get eight cokes, then funnily enough have to go for more. Yeah, get rid of these people. Just buzz them out of the stadium. Cammy, today has been almost an hour of, let's face it, just build up. For the real story this week. The real story this week, as everyone listening knows, and has just been killing time till we got to it, is Joe Miller's 1990 travels in Northern Ireland. <laughs> now, uh, Joe, Joe Miller, Moby Dick. We don't normally do a Sport and Integrity Award when Scott's not here, uh, and nor do we normally only have one candidate, but this week, and in fact, I'm, I'm actually going to create a special Hall of Fame wing for Joe Miller's, uh, Joe Miller's quote. For those of you who don't know, who've been living on the moon, um, like Joe Miller, like Joe Miller, yeah, <laughs> first man on it. Uh, Joe Miller did an article 
Uh, as you may know, uh, Linfield have drawn our unfortunate neighbours from the east, uh, and or potentially have if they come through their qualifier. And uh, Celtic have refused to take tickets on the ground that it's a powder keg for the usual kind of stuff. And Joe Miller, like we like like we did for Dublin, David. Yeah, like oh, we, no, did. we we went. No, That's we went. Right. We, well, you know, you know, Celtic, they're they're faithful through and through, except mm. unless they you know are going to Northern Ireland, but. There uh, was an article that appeared in the Daily Record, uh, and it's utter genius, where Joe Miller said that when he played a friendly at Windsor Park for Aberdeen against Linfield in 1995, that he was targeted uh, along with other ex-Celtic players. Uh, Roy Aitken. Well, I'm coming to name them in a second. Uh, okay. Who they were targeted with red laser pens. Um and the abuse followed them wherever they went. And I'll, I'll tell you what happened, what he said here. This is a quote. Roy, myself, Big Derek White and Tommy Craig, all ex-Celts who were at Aberdeen, were walking along the road and Roy was carrying the balls, Miller is quoted as saying. They all flooded out of a pub at the top of the street, so we just continued walking while they were all shouting and bawling at us. Now, a couple of issues that jump out at me there is... Derek White didn't sign for Aberdeen until 1997. And when he did, Roy Aitken wasn't the manager. So, okay, maybe he's got a bit confused, right? He's just, he's, you know, maybe he's got a bit confused. It can happen. He never struck me as the brightest. Maybe that's all it is. But then you get Linfield's statement, which was one of the best statements a football club ever did. A particularly regrettable piece appeared in the Scottish Daily Record when the former Celtic footballer Joe Miller recalled a friendly match he had apparently taken part in against Linfield at Windsor Park when he was on the books of Aberdeen. The interview with Mr Miller, as told to the Daily Record reporter Gordon Parts, included such colourful details as the winger apparently being repeatedly targeted with laser rangefinders and that he and his colleagues Derek White, Tommy Craig and Roy Aitken were carrying match balls down a street after the game when they passed the public house and were confronted by angry locals. That, that sounds terrifying, doesn't it? Well, you, you fear for your life. Absolutely. The latter detail may cause some amusement to Linfield supporters, given that even in these pre -re uh, those pre-redevelopment days, Windsor Park was wholly enclosed from any surrounding streets, and there remains a distinct lack of local hostelries in the area adjacent to the ground. We have played numerous friendly games at Windsor Park over the years, against such clubs from Manchester United to Flamengo of Brazil, but have yet to ask opposing players to walk around South Belfast whilst carrying various match accoutrements. <laughs> oh, that's fucking genius Right What troubles us most of all, however Is that Linfield FC has no record of having played Aberdeen at Windsor Park Or elsewhere in the entire decade Mr Miller refers to Whether in a friendly fixture training game or otherwise In fact, it appears that Linfield have never played against Aberdeen at all Throughout our entire history <laughs> now it goes on to talk about how uh, in great detail how the red dots is bollocks as well now it is quite funny but there is a sinister undercurrent to this where we know why he came up with this shite and I highly doubt that Joe Miller just phoned up the daily record and came away with all this shite what you've got here is a very deliberate attempt to create a situation where none needs to exist. And again, it comes back to the press in this country 
who on the one hand tell us how much they deplore sectarianism and violence and hatred and all the rest of it. And then the other hand, they do things like this to stir it up. And the hypocrisy is absolutely overwhelming. And Joe Miller, who, let's be honest, has the IQ of a pencil, has been clearly promised a few quid to just put his name to this shite. And he's done so. And unfortunately, it's not the 80s. Everything goes online. Everybody can read it and say that's bullshit. And that's what's happened here. Um... He's apologised, claiming that, oh, his memory's a bit uh, a bit foggy. Um, it's not your memory. You're not misremembering something, Joe. It didn't happen. Yes, it's fictional, Joe. Yes. I, 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 I remember I slept with a girl in 1996 that I picked up in a nightclub in Irvine. It wasn't Jennifer Aniston. So if I say I picked up a girl, I can't remember her name, in a nightclub in Irvine... That's fine. I might say her name was Kelly, but I'd be misremembering it. If I said it was Jennifer Aniston, I'd be lying. And that's the difference here. Um, Cammy, your thoughts on the whole debacle? Um, wait a minute. When you say debacle, do you mean your lovemaking or the Joe Miller piece? I'll have you know that my lovemaking was incredibly efficient for a man that drank as much as I had. I was going to say, whatever, whatever you want to believe, Joe. Um, listen, do you know what I, what I really enjoyed about this was... Uh, <laughs> was the fact that you're like that. So we've got Linfield playing Celtic in a European tie in Belfast on the 12th of July, potentially. No, they moved it. Well, I know. And the kind of time that was in the run-up to it, do you know what I mean? And you're kind of thinking to yourself, yeah, that'll be a really boring game that probably needs sensationalised <laughs> somehow. So let's make up some shit and let's fucking just try and draw a bit of attention because who's going to watch that snooze fest? It was basically the the PR wing of Celtic. Um, right, close it was. They're trying to get behind the club's decision because the fans, quite rightly, I think, incidentally, for the Celtic fans who listen to this, you are in the right on this one, are saying, we should be allowed to go at this game. It's not, you know, 1986 anymore. It's, times have changed. Um, and... This was, as I say, the PR wing going, put out stories to make it sound, you know, like it's really dangerous and they can't go. And it's offensive to the people of Belfast. It's offensive to Celtic supporters. It's hilarious to us. Yeah, it's it is, just yeah. utter nonsense. And uh, it's one of those occasions where Miller's copping the flack, but I think that the, the guy who wrote the story really should have been carpeted by his... Because it's quite clear that he just completely made the whole thing. I don't I don't think Joe Miller's got the imagination to come up with that, to be honest with you. I, I don't think he's got the there's, 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 there's parts in it where I, I just... I, I, do not understand, like, I do not understand Rangers fans who buy print media. I don't. I don't understand it at all. And I think the thing is that whilst I can understand it because it's habitual and you've done it and you've always done it and all the rest of the stuff is I'll get it. But see, see to use this case in point, right? This would have been funny if it hadn't been printed, but you had got a copy of it and the guy had written it and before it went to print, um, it, it, it got pulled because yeah. it's complete fiction, science fiction nearly. And the thing is, though, that you can understand, you go, oh, Jesus, you know, imagine if they had done this and oh, geez, what a fucking red face that would have been. That would have been actually. They have done that. They have printed it. So see if they're willing to go down this route and not even bother checking their facts. Why the fuck would you spend twenty or thirty p buying a paper that's going to say to you, "Oh, by the way, you're interested in signing Ronaldo because Bruno Alves sat next to him on a plane going to Portugal"? Yeah. Because if they're willing to make that up, 
How much do you think they're willing to make up about transfers that will never ever happen because they're always due to unnamed sources? Someone close to the player has said blah 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 blah. Because now you're actually reading how much they're willing to try and get away with without even bothering to check facts. You'd be literally as well walking up to a fucking Fiat Punto and asking who it thinks that Rangers are going to sign in the summer for the amount of truth that you'll get out of the Daily Record and the Sun and all the rest of it. And the worst thing about this is as well is it's all new. Like it's it's like you, if you have any access to the internet, by the time you read it in, in print media, it's old news. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyway, listen, do you know what? It, it was funny and I, I think, actually, David, you did touch a good point. So let's put serious caps on for a minute. Actually, the whole thing actually was quite offensive to Celtic fans and to Linfield fans because you're then talking about this idea of, yeah, there'll be trouble no matter what. Well, we faced that a lot with Rangers fans and in actual fact, in some elements of it, we've walked into trouble with that. Um, being able to do this kind of thing actually is really insulting because what you're effectively saying is you, you know you, you can't be responsible you can't control yourselves you can't do X, Y and Z and that's really really disappointing to think that that's how we want to almost be so borderline offensive to people that we're now saying that yeah we can't do this because we know there'll be trouble at it well listen do you know what people go and act responsibly and don't go you know completely off and up mental then do you know what the whole you know the, the the main body of people going to that game will be safe yes absolutely um, and and, I, I, I think I think that's quite disparaging and in actual fact I hope that of those two Celtic fans in the world who are actually sensible enough to see that point actually realise that and go do you know what that's out of order yeah. and if the club and you're right the club did manage that of course the PR but but if club did do that, actually, you're kind of more or less saying to your, your own fan base, you can't be trusted. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much it for us this week. Um, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles. To thank you guys and remind you that there's still sponsorship opportunities on Heart and Hand. And to give you a big announcement, I, I told Cam about this earlier. Uh, this season, we will be starting a second Heart and Hand show. It'll come with you every Friday. Or it'll come and it's on called you. the Kyle Lafferty Hour. It's called the Match Preview. Um, it'll be shorter, but it will have a full preview of this week's or this weekend's match, and it'll be delivered to you every Friday or Thursday if we're playing on the Friday. So that's something to look forward to. Won't happen this week because we're not playing at the weekend. So uh, thanks to my guests this week, Mr. Cameron and James Bell. David, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for listening. My name's David Edgar. And I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.